Keeping hold of the knuckle lock, refusing to quit. Oh! Deep arm dragging an arm bar as well. Very impressive, but listen, I hate to go back to this, but really, Gable being here is taking an opportunity for another competitor. Perhaps a Mike Canales. I mean, Mike Canales, a very successful, incredible victory against Brian Kendrick just two weeks ago. Very impressive, true, but Mike has had a history of blowing those opportunities. Drake is not going to reward that time after time. Oh, Gallagher sits down. We recover near fall in this matchup. And again, both superstars just staring each other down. Sometimes a little spice makes everything nice. Nigel, you got to mix it up sometimes. Well, sometimes a little bit of spice spoils the broth. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette, and with me once again, as always, is he's cleaning up the messes of the masses. It's the janitor himself, Josh Custodio. Justin, we have to talk about something not wrestling related. before we, Because it's so on my mind. I, I can't even begin to think about wrestling until I think about something that, that is, get bounce off of you, rather. Sure. Something that the doctor said to me this morning. You went to the doctor I went to the morning. doctor. It turns out I have a... a tonsil stone which uh. it isn't as bad as it sounds i've had a kidney stone and that whoo boy but but the doctor looks at me and she goes wow you have a, a very large tongue but a small airway she goes usually if you have a large tongue you have a large airway but you have a, a very large tongue and a small airway what does this mean um, it's all I've been able to think about this afternoon. I don't know. That might be why you're such a good talker. <laughs> There's like such, more. Such a big tongue. Yeah, maybe that's it. I've never thought Get about. those words out. <laughs> I've never thought about the size of my tongue before. I've never thought about my, my airway. And now for some reason I'm obsessed with it. And I think it says a lot about me that I took it as an insult. She was like. Oh, you have a large tongue and what? narrow airway. I'm Can like, we talk about tonsil stone? What yeah. the hell is that? I don't know. So there's like a growth. I'll show it to you if you can see it. It's like this little growth in like the back of my throat. How do you deal with that? Gargle salt water. I'm like, That's I'm in pain, lady. Saline, I don't want to. Yeah. And she's like, oh, just get some warm water and gargle. I'm like, that doesn't feel like enough. Saline is like their answer for everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you got something going on there? Yeah. <laughs> salt water probably will do it. Yeah, why don't you nap also? Get some rest. It's like, well, thank you. So glad I waited well, 45 minutes. I thought you were going to go to the doctor, and the yeah. doctor said, no more monkeys jumping on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one. That is absolutely what happened. But just did it. In fact, this is, of course, a wrestling podcast. It's the only wrestling podcast I care about. It is Top Marks, and I'm happy to be here on, I think, oh, bit, yeah. somebody said, like, the hottest day in Vancouver. Yesterday was the, I don't know if it was the hottest day on record in June, or okay. if it was just the hottest June 12th that we've ever oh, had. Oh, okay. It, it was hot it as was hell. 29.1 degrees, and I feel like it's about that today, too. It is a... Hot one, folks. In the words of Rob Thomas, as wow. he guested with Carlos Santana, it's like we're seven inches from the <laughs> midday sun. Oh, boy. But, yes, we are not here to talk about 
sm- how smooth uh, it is out there. <laughs> we are not here to talk about yes, we console are. stones. What are we here we to talk? are here to talk about the monkeys jumping on the bed. That's right. We're here to talk about professional wrestling, ah, baby. That's what I call a segue. That's what I call smooth. Oh, my lord. He has proven his broadcasting chops <laughs> like never before. The bed is on fire. The bad man has come out of the cannon. Maybe it is, in fact, he who is fired up this week. So let's jump right into it, JMO. New Japan Pro Wrestling put on their their SummerSlam equivalent this weekend. Their their number two show. I guess maybe the G1 I Climax. No, yeah, it's hard to gauge always. I look forward to the G1 on whole more than Dominion, but it's kind of like that. That's the stretch, right? Dominion is their second biggest show. Maybe that's fair to say. Yeah, I'm, there's usually a big one around like October though, too. Like, what what was the show last year that Jericho and Evil King of Pro Wrestling? I think. Okay, was Jericho Evil? Which was I actually end up yeah I'm just trying to remember how they map out their schedule in the end but um, whatever it was I was blown away yeah, by this show yeah Dominion I felt a little bit silly doing a preview of it on last week's show because people <laughs> had like a day to listen to it but we only just did like a brief overview of matches we were excited to talk about yeah so it's not like we like went in depth on what these feuds mean and blah 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 but yeah I'll be perfectly honest with you Josh. be perfectly honest do not lie to me madman you might remember first of all probably not. there's something that we have to talk about before oh. we dive into Dominion. Is it my uh, tonsils? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is. Well, it might have to do with your tonsil stone. <laughs> okay. Because, I mean, I don't know how one gets a tonsil stone exactly. Yeah, I don't know. But it seems like a sign that you're getting older. Oh, that's for sure true. And you know what else is a sign that you're getting older? My gray hair and decaying body. Today marks exactly. Oh, yes. Two years. Of Top Marks. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to the Top Marks podcast. 106 episodes over the course of two years, which means even when we've missed weeks, which has happened, we're still two episodes ahead of where we should be. Shit. We are averaging one episode extra per year. <laughs> well, now, hang on. Just to be clear, don't get used to that. I mean, I'm, I'm not <laughs> promising 2019 is going to have an extra episode in it. I'm just not going to do that. Does it feel like two years to you? Uh, yes and no. Yeah. Because we, we started with the inaugural Women's Money in the Bank ladder match that was won by James Ellsworth for Carmella. Wow. Carmella had that briefcase for a year. Okay. And she also hasn't had it for a year. <laughs> yeah. That's two years. <laughs> yeah. We, you can basically map this show just parallel with Carmella's career. I mean, and in some ways, our first year was better than the second year, too. It was like, we don't have the case now, but it's looking great for 2020. Yeah, well, we're with R-Truth, and we're <laughs> yeah. super kicking dudes on his behalf We're more 24-7 fun now. belt. Yeah. yeah. We're not putting on, like, trying to put forward something more professional than we actually are. Some people miss our blonde hair and body yes. suits. Yeah, Definitely well, the body suits. I, some people miss, well, yes, they do, and I do. That's I'm just saying that. The, the one piece, certainly, oh my, had you know, a little more to it than these two pieces, I tell you. If it was not for the the gracious and loving hashtag good friends, the listenership of this show, there would be no fuel for us to do this for two years, at least for myself, and I think you agree. If it felt like nobody gave a shit about this, I don't think two years we would have made it, so thank you to everybody who listens to this. I'm going to push back on you there, Josh. Oh, you hate the listeners. No. <laughs> I do appreciate the listeners. I do appreciate that people take time out of their week every single week to listen to this show. I do appreciate that there are people, maniacs in fact, who go on over to patreon.com slash topmarks and give us $5 a month so that they can be a part of 
honestly the number one group chat in the world of professional wrestling. Correct. The top marks Twitter DM. It is a hell of a time. You get uh, access to the predictor challenge for pay-per-views, oh, which my is coming Lord. up fast. Scooting Ground's just around the corner. Yeah. Is it next Sunday already, it, Scooting it Ground? It is next Sunday. Holy cow. And, of course, you get to talk to us and hear our takes every single day of the week, every minute, every hour. It just never stops, the <laughs> that's, DM. That's how time you works. 24-7 access to it. It is like we're our truth and Carmelo over <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, the 24-hour seven But title. I would still be doing this with just you, uh, even if no one listened, because uh, I have a hell of a time doing this every week, my man. This is always some, one of the most fun hours of the week, and... Um, you know, when we started doing this, I feel like you and I were hanging out like four or five days a week well, sometimes. Yeah. Post-breakup will do that to a guy. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> sure. You know? And now there are weeks where, you know, sometimes the only time we get to squeeze in is doing this show. So not that often. It's but not, yeah, it is not that often. It does that happen. The case. You're, you're correct. But, like, when that does happen, I really do appreciate that we have the show. Of course, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. that is regardless of, of anyone tuning in. But there are people tuning in, so we should probably yeah. get on with the show. Yes, but here we go. congratulations to us two yeah. years that's not nothing yeah that's something uh friend of the show ryan shop said a uh, very nice thing that actually registered with me and it's like stuck around in my head because and then we will move on i promise the last thing i'll say but he said you guys have such a good small podcast and like i know what he means by that it's like it's not a giant show but like there's people who really like it and i i, I like that the people who have found it have stayed with it. Yeah, and that's that's worth something to me. But Justin, Dominion! There were there were other things these people wanted to tune into. There was New Japan Pro Wrestling. Some people think the number one promotion on earth. I don't agree with them, but but some people do think that. Uh, I, I, I gotta be honest, though. This don't, is what I was lie. gonna say. Yep. If you go back to the early days of this show, you'll hear me talking some big-time shit <laughs> on one Mr. Peter Rosenberg. Oh, oh, yes, yeah. Who, I think... Is having people talk shit on him huge this week, including his own co-hosts on, uh, I think it was LaGreca, just tore into him. What? On that New York uh, yeah, he's sports. Yeah, on, he's on an ESPN affiliate uh, sports radio there. What? What yeah. did he say? He, he, I didn't hear this. He, he just said some snide remark about LaGreca's arguing style, and LaGreca was like, Shut the fuck up, you little bitch. Don't you ever speak to me like that again in your life. Really? And not without without the swearing. But, but some that real was, hostility? Oh, big time hostility. Like, wow. Like he was going to come down there and slap the taste out of Rosenberg's mouth. Holy shit. And people seem to genuinely hate Peter Rosenberg, including WWE, who never work with him anymore. Yeah. So. Well, did you hear he, he took time off from them? And he, because for some personal issues, and then they didn't want him when he was ready to come back. And apparently he was quite personally slighted because he had been promoting WrestleMania in his home city of New York on, I believe he's on Hot 97 in New York, if I'm not mistaken, big hip-hop station there. And yes. so he felt kind of slighted that he'd been promoting. And he was on the Michael K show. He still is on yeah, that I think show. That's but show who knows on. how long, because it seems like both of his co-hosts have had enough of his shit. Sometimes you just got to say, yowie wowie. Yeah, but... When we started this show, I, I told you, I don't want to be like Peter Rosenberg. Yeah. I don't want to come on this show and pretend like I've watched wrestling that I have not watched. Which you could clearly tell in the late days of Cheap Heat was absolutely the case. Yeah, the 100%. Week after week, he was not watching this shit at all. But he would like read a summary off Wikipedia and act like he did. Yeah. 
I have not watched Dominion yet. I I feel guilty about this. Okay. Because I know it's the biggest thing that happened this week, and we should be focusing in on it. Yep. But I'm going to leave that to you because, look, between the Stanley Cup final, Mm -hmm. between the NBA final, Mm -hmm. between my own personal work schedule, Mm -hmm. I have not found the time for Dominion as of yet. But we got the weekend ahead of us. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to get you even further hyped. And I want you, the janitor, to clean up my mess here Ah. and tell me exactly what I have to look forward to. Well, my gosh, Jamo, you've got quite the show ahead of you because – I think sometimes a criticism that certainly I bring to the table uh, on this show, and I think you agree with me, is that sometimes these New Japan cards, the front half feels dramatically less important, or certainly less good even. The quality is lower than the top half of the card, or sometimes even the top third of the card is really what you're there for, at least how I feel, Wrestle Kingdom notwithstanding. Yeah, I mean, even our our friend who's the, like the biggest New Japan mark in the world, uh, f- former guest on this show, frequent co-host on this show, Mike Noble. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, one of the things he always salutes New Japan for is that they give you the card order in advance yeah so that you know when you can just skip half the show i do agree with him and appreciate that but, but that's kind of a funny thing for like your, your number one fan yeah. to be like oh my favorite thing is that they tell me when i don't have to watch anything yeah, i love not tuning in <laughs> um but this was a show jamo where i think whenever you sit down maybe you got a nice cup of iced coffee in front of you and you settle in and you mm-hmm. watch I don't think there's a lot that you're going to want to skip on this show. Just from a match quality standpoint, let, let's jump into what the show opened with, which was, uh, I mean, do we really? Uh, we're going to find a reason to talk about John Moxley every week on this show, regardless. But John Moxley taking on a young lion, Shota Uminu. Uh, Mox gets a you know very good response from the crowd. Enters through the crowd. Son of red shoes. Is he really? He is. I did not know that. That is hilarious. This old man was not taking care of him here as Dean Ambrose, or rather John Moxley, beat the shit out of him. Figured prominently, I believe, in, um, I can't remember if it was Jericho versus Naito or Jericho versus Omega from Wrestle Kingdom 12. Okay. Because Red Shoes is the ref of that match against Omega, and um, his son is one of the Young Lions working ring crew. Okay. And so uh, to further... Uh, draw out hostilities with the referee, Jericho attacks his son. Oh, and that's this guy. Yes, and I that is Shota Umino. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. Uh, so, Jimo, you're mostly just watching this match for the Moxley performance, but I was actually surprised. I thought it would be a straight-up squash. I mean, who gets in some offense here? I'm not sure exactly how long the match was. It's not a long match, but I was expecting Moxley to come in, get in some offense, hit the Death Rider, and, and leave. But this was not that. But the most interesting thing, Jamo, happens post-match, as uh, Moxley seems to take this young man who's doing a great job of, like, selling that he's just, like, all jacked up, and he's been beaten. Mox has got his arm. He's, like, dra- he's, ba- he's a corpse with one John it's Moxley. like a Weekend at Bernie's style. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and it seems, it was not clear, but that Moxley has taken this young man under his wing and might be starting something in New Japan with him. So that's ah. an exciting little seed to be planted. Um, maybe maybe it takes him back stateside and his excursion is to AEW. I would not hate that. Who would hate that? Just crossing over, extremely fun. We'll move on, though, JMO. As Jushin Thunder Liger and Yoshihashi took on Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr., you hear those names and you think... This should be good. Yeah. Uh, thi- this one was a little bit of a miss for me. I felt just kind of paint by numbers. I don't know if it's because I've seen a lot of these guys interact. Yoshihashi got the pin on a roll-up, which I thought was... That should sounds like the guy who should be pinned <laughs> yeah. of any of the four in that match. And it's not that that can never work, but it's just like, I don't know. It, it, this match didn't really work for me. I felt like it never really got going. But this is the last thing on this card that I'm going to say that about. I thought the rest was, was quite fun. As uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and Taguchi took on Jay White. Chase Owens, and Taiji Ishimori. 
Now, here's a match that's the opposite, that maybe you hear those names and you think, oh, Chase Owens in a six-man tag? I can for sure skip that one. <laughs> yeah, this is, and again, this is not essential viewing. If you're only watching 100 pro wrestling matches this year, this is one to skip. But some fun moments here. Chase Owens, I, I don't want to give it away because you're going to watch, but Chase Owens has a little bit of shine in this match. It's maybe a little bit worth watching. Like I said, as much as we've been in a beef with him, and he might think that, like, I was being very mean to him online. Well, I don't know about Which, granted, I was, for sure, being very mean to him. But in a sarcastic way, I actually do respect Chase Owens, and I do think that he does shine in the matches where he's just the Bullet Club guy there to get beat up in a six-man tag. I'll let the record show I do not respect him, but <laughs> that, that's just me. Uh, Ishimori, of course, as you expect, it gets a nice hot tag and come back in this match, and it's, it's a very fun match, high speed, not that long into it. Uh, Taichi versus Tomohiro Ishii. So fans of Ishii around this podcast, you and I, uh, you know, hard-hitting the stone pit bull, we, we love to see it. Not not my favorite match of his, but basically what you're expecting from an Ishii match at this point. Some some great hard-hitting action. Not skippable. You should watch this one. Any questions so far, Madman? Uh, no, this sounds like a pretty good card. Well, I have great news for you. It only picks up from there. As And again, so often I find myself saying the tag matches, we mostly skippable on these beginning new... Not all of them, but many of them. But this next one of uh, Tamatanga and Tonga Loa taking on Evil and Sonata for the Heavyweight Tag Team Championships... This was a great match. I could not believe how into this match I was. And I'm not a person who has an especially high opinion of Evil. Uh, and even Sonata, I like him. But when people are like, oh, he's the next guy to get called up to heavyweight, I'm never sure that I exactly see what they see in it. Well, where are you with Sonata? I, I think he's very handsome. Well, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> Although, I'm not... Listen, I know this is going to come across contentious. The blonde Amish beard just off the chin... I'm not so sure this is a good look. Yeah, I've I've said it before. It's like if Santa Claus was a Final Fantasy yeah, character. Yeah, that's right. It's, <laughs> it feels, but I feel like if you look like that, you owe it to people to not jack it up. Yeah, you know? his, his beard is a uh, is a little bit messed. I do not like it. But, um, but boy, can wrestle this. This was a very fun match. I greatly enjoyed it. Uh, the, again, it's nice to see tag teams that feel so distinctly different. Like. Evil and Sonata are just doing a different thing. I also then. feel like he is one of the better. Like, when we had that question recently about who's the next guy to win the IWGP heavyweight title who's never won before. Yeah. One of our listeners said Sonata. Yeah. And and I couldn't come up with anyone. Yeah. But Sonata felt like a real good pick for that because, like, he he's a great ring worker. I enjoy it every time he gets a singles match against a top guy. And he's got the look. The man yeah. is a certified hunk. I feel like the, the natural call-up for him to, to the main event scene is more based off of like a, a star power or charisma that he has more than the, the pure in-ring for me. But it's so seldom that we see him wrestle a singles match. Like it's often paired up with evil. So maybe, because you're right, in singles I do think he shines. He, was it him and Tanahashi who had one last year? I liked a bunch. He wrestled some like big time. Yeah, singles. Tanahashi, I'm it, pretty sure. Yeah. He challenged him for the, the main title at one point yeah. on the secondary shows. I think that's right. And uh, I remember enjoying that. Um, but yeah, like Girls of Destiny come away with the victory here. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And uh, do they have a good showing? Because I feel like the, their character stuff has been very enjoyable yeah. over the last year in New Japan, but the actual in-ring work, I mean, they basically th- threw every single match that Tama was involved with in the G1. It was just chair disqualification. Same with Fale. And like that was a character thing. Decision, yeah. That's clearly a booking move, but it didn't make for good matches at all. I kind of got what they were doing. I just didn't feel like the G1 was the place for that, where it's like, 
okay, they're just going to do this every time. It's like, okay. So, you know, I feel like these guys right now, and I haven't seen a ton of them, so I can't make any sort of sweeping generalizations over what they're like in the ring, and I haven't seen this match either. Yeah. Um, but I feel like mentally, in terms of, like, the perception around the team, they're a little bit where the Bucks were, like, two, three years ago. Ooh. Not as well regarded as far as spots, but also not respected for... Sto- storytelling yeah. mechanics and psychology. That's interesting, and I think I do agree with that to a point. What what I do like about the way that they they wrestle is they do feel very much like a unique tag team. Like they remind me. It's nice to see something hard hitting and not as fast and slowing down the opponents. It's a nice it's a nice counter to certainly Sonata looking to explode. But yeah, I mean, I'm never gonna love these guys. I don't yeah. think. I but. What, yeah, I don't know. Was it a good showing for them? Yes, because I liked the match, but certainly Evil and Sonata were the side of the equation that I preferred more. Is, is, is this whole division just like, what's going on there? Because it feels like there's only three teams. Who's it's, the third? It's those two <laughs> and uh, Archer and David yeah. Boy Jr. That's it. And that's everybody. I mean, tag team wrestling must be impossible to do. No company is good at it. NXT can kind of get away with it, but they only do the one match every couple months on a takeover. But, like, we just had two tag teams, or at least one that we were talking about earlier in this show, that's like Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki. Why not just put the rocket to those guys as a duo if you got nothing for them in the main singles competition? Like... That seemed like a that seems like a match that I would be into. Grills of Destiny versus those two guys. Fucking why not? That's yeah. You're you're heating me up now. Now <laughs> I'm in. Make these guys tags. They don't. Neither of them have belts. Let's get to it. Jamal, the temperature got turned up in this next match though. As we're finally into the singles matches. Okay. We're finally into Dragon Lee versus Will Ospreay. And I am a, I would say a critic of Will Ospreay. I find like his matches often have very similar beats to them to the point that like. Maybe more than almost any wrestler I can think of where it's like, oh, he's about to do this thing. I've seen this all before. Well, and it's like, it's, and again, you you watch so much of it sometimes, you just know the sausage is made. Like, I can almost watch where his opponent is going Mm -hmm. and know what Osprey is going to be doing. Like, I've complained about this before, but this match does have some of this where Dragon Lee is like waiting for Will Ospreay to like take moves. And it takes me out of matches. We've talked about this before where you've complained about guys who like have cool moves and cool spots, but don't know how to. Uh, kind of string together the connective tissue from Apollo one of Cruz. those moments to another. This might be like a joint complaint where it's like there are also guys who have that connective tissue, but only one version of yes, it. Yes, I think that's very well said and exactly the issue. But I was saying that all just to say, well, this had a little bit of that in it where you're seeing Will do the setups. Dragon Lee is more than game to go toe-to-toe with all of the, the Goodwill Osprey stuff, right? This is like when you see... It's a t- good movie, also. It's a good Will Ospreay. <laughs> so everybody remembers that great movie. It's not your fault. It's the, not your fault. <laughs> the late, great, your fault. late great Robin That's Williams. That's what he was saying to Dragon Lee at the end of the match. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows it's that. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Dragon Lee, though, it was It was fault. his fault. Yeah, yeah. we know. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but Dragon Lee absolutely kept up here. I didn't think this match overstayed its welcome, and I thought they really went hard. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I must say I thought Will Ospreay's gear in particular was very nice. You're sort of an Iron Man influence. Okay. Uh, really ended up liking this match, despite it being not the sort of match I find myself normally drawn to. I was, I was yeah, into this. Yeah, you're, you're a critic of, uh, of of the aerial assassin. Well, for sure, and I, I guess I would say I'm a bit of a critic of that style in general a little bit. Like, or no, I'm not a critic of it, but it's just never the part that I connect most with. Mm-hmm. Unlike our next match here, Tetsuya Naito, Okoto Ibushi, which... Uh, 
I don't know how much more you want a guy to connect with a match. I thought these two outdid their New York match, which I held in very high esteem. Yeah, this is the one where it's like, how the fuck have I not watched this show yet? It, like, it, what a, what a, I'm, I'm, I'm about to spend the rest of my time on the show <laughs> talking about how I watched NXT and 205 Live this week. I watched 205 Live, but I didn't have time to watch Naito versus Kota Ibushi. This is what's surprising What are we me. doing here? Uh, did you see any of the GIFs exiting? No, I haven't I, seen anything from this. Okay, so... I am going to lightly spoil in the name of uh, our listenership. Ibushi takes some, and Naito takes one, but Ibushi takes two bad smokes to the old noggin. They're, they're on the apron, and there's this magnificent portion in the middle I, of the I match. have heard where it does feel like people were watching this and thought to themselves that they're going to eventually see Kota Ibushi kill himself in a ring. I mean, this this was nuts. I mean, he, he his head smokes the apron, but I'm not uncomfortable with this stuff. I know that that's maybe a little bit contentious. I think... I don't want to see Kota Ibushi smoking his head around, but watching it, I'm saying it doesn't take me out of a match. I know some people were saying, like, ah, it's too far for me. It's like, until it's gas station attendant Jimmy Lloyd putting saw blades through his head, it's not too uncomfortable for your boy. Yeah, you love the Shibata headbutt that's, spots, I, too. Well, only after his injury. <laughs> yeah. that's, I wanted yeah, to come back and exactly. do it. That's what I popped. You didn't like watching it as it was <laughs> yeah, happening. Correct. But then when you knew the damage, it was like, <laughs> yeah. boy, I got to go back and watch that again. Exactly. And then yeah. I could celebrate it because it's somebody who actually cares about Exactly. Himself. Sacrificing <laughs> himself for the business that we all know and love. Exactly right. The, the one business. business. The only business. But there's this sequence where they are on the apron in this match, and it is so hair-raising because they tease it out for so long. You know one of them's going to take something awful here, but they tease it out forever. They must be wrestling on the apron for what feels like a full five minutes. It's probably 90 seconds or two mm -hmm. minutes. But reversals and back and forth. You know how I talk about in the gargano Almas match, the subversion that the, that match constantly does, where it's like you think they're doing this, mm -hmm. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, this match, and you'll, uh, you, I bet you if I didn't say that, you would have recognized it too. Because you've seen these guys wrestle before, and you're familiar with their spots, but there's so many slight but reversals. they are also familiar with their spots. Exactly which is right. why they're doing uh, reversals and counterbalances that are like three steps ahead of the average match, which is exactly why Almas Gargano is one of the best matches of this decade. I Anyways, fully agree. Continue. Well, and it just, it, it. It rewards the long-term viewer, where it's like, okay, these guys, they could have just repeated their New York match. It was a great match. I don't mm. know that that many people saw it. I mean, they're not working a house show circuit or anything. Like, I think if they went out and did a similar match, people probably wouldn't be too complaining. Especially in Japan, who didn't get that yeah, in yeah. New York. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, especially considering that, right? But I thought, just hats off to these guys. I was blown away. I watched this on the Sunday morning. I'm eating some breakfast, and I was really taken by this match. And I, of course, I'm big fans of both of these guys. But who isn't? I thought this was magnificent. Go out of your way to watch Tetsu Naito versus Kota Ibushi from Dominion this past Saturday. Really great stuff. and includes a Frankensteiner that you would think should not be allowed. But that is like what you want from a repeat of the same pairing, right? Like we yes. are so conditioned to see two guys go head-to-head -head on Raw week after week. Like fucking right now, it's Ricochet and Cesaro every single week. And how can you complain because Ricochet and Cesaro? But are they building on top of the spots that they've done before in the way that you would want to see in the way that we saw in a series like Gargano and Almas and the way that you are saying that this match yep. delivers on? So often, no. It's just some variation on the same match, but it's like, well, these two guys are pretty good workers, so I mean, how do you go point about that? It's so bizarre to have such a deep roster like WWE, and yet somehow it's like every time Dolph Ziggler locks up with Seth Rollins, 
I feel like you would have to be an insane person to feel like, okay, what are they going to do here? I liked it the uh, first five times. I mean, five? What are we talking about here? How many times have we, how many minutes have you seen these guys wrestle for? Too many at this point. <laughs> like, they've done like Iron Man matches. And two out of three yeah, falls. Every different permutation of uh, stipulation that there possibly is. And so to to, in, to your point, JMO, just to have this be such a nice answer to that. And of course, these guys don't have to lock up every Monday. But but, but also, like what that speaks to what we were just talking about with Will Ospreay also is like how often do you see Seth Rollins or Dolph Ziggler and like Seth yeah. you and I have talked about this off the air privately a couple times recently where well maybe don't bring it to light then if there there's... there was a stretch where you would see him constantly uh, innovating and adding new different yes. wrinkles to his arsenal and it's like I can't think of the last time at a time when he is at the top of his game and should be pushing himself to further heights when was the last time you saw Seth Rollins do something you'd never seen him do before well and this was your point so I hate to, to take it but just this is Justin said this and is exactly right off air you remember when the superplex into Falcon Arrow felt like new and special when and you saw sizzle. it for the first time when he climbs up on that rope it's like, all right, so he's going to do it, he's going to do it, and then he's going to sell his knee inexplicably. And it's like that that sequence of superplex Falcon Arrow sell the knee, it makes me sick to my stomach the, at this point. The only new wrinkle that we've seen is when he does like the reverse version, which he only does on Dolph. Right, And yeah. when you only do it to one guy, it's we not know. a surprise because we've seen it a million times. Yeah, and, and this match has moves, and again... How are you still seeing Kota Ibushi, dude? A guy you think you've seen it all from, wrestling through apartment buildings. A friend of the show, Scoots Brodo, and joining us for Ballroom Brawl, which I'm very excited about, pointed out to me, did you know Kota Ibushi is older than Tetsuya Naito? Yeah, that's crazy, man. I could not come to grips with this. You know, sometimes things just get lodged in your brain, and it's like, that can't be right. Well, it's because Kota Ibushi does not look like a human being. Yeah, he looks like a angelic. Final Fantasy rendered cutscene. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Like, oh, you know that? <laughs> like, oh, Have you said that before? That's yeah. really good. I think I've brought it up a few times, That's maybe great. on this show, maybe maybe in person. But Very regardless, funny. no, you watch one of his matches. It's like, okay, there's human being, Tetsuya Naito, and across the ring from him is a Final Fantasy VIII cutscene. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> and, and not only just in his jackedness and great gear and his very handsome look. He's not the most handsome man on earth. But he also has like a youthful looking face. I mean, you're right. He's so handsome and all these things. It's like, I think he's 39 or 37. It's like, that is very surprising to me. What sort of shape, how must he feel? Or is he like a Keith Richards where it's like he can just take the punishment and keep on rocking? I, yeah, it's something like that. I'm sure something like that. I think it's that rich family, right? That's the, yeah, that is the that's secret. That's the Ibushi backstory is that he's got all the money in the world and he's never had to want for anything. He doesn't care about signing big contracts. He doesn't feel pressured by anything other than creative satisfaction. And which concussions. Means, which means... The fact that he's never stressed about anything in his life other than maybe an injury keeps his face yeah. wrinkle-free, keeps his hair perfectly youthful. <laughs> like, look at me. My hair's falling out. Even my beard is falling out. What do you think that is? I'm under constant economic stress. It never stops. It never goes away. Kota Ibushi, help me. Save me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're out here uh, aging like a fine fruit. Yeah. That's uh, what you and I are doing. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting rotten. Remember, Kota, that's patreon.com. Yeah, you yeah, come on. Coda, we know you listen. Uh, Jamie, let's let's cap this off talking about the main event a little bit. Chris Jericho and Kazuchika Okada. In our preview, we talked about this you know, is like a, a redemption show yeah. for Jericho because he needed a better showing than he had at Double or Nothing. So I do not think he had a better in-ring showing than at Double or Nothing, in my opinion. 
But did his character work make up for it? His post-match was A+. Uh, as he gets on the mic after taking a loss, beats up Kazuchika, gets on the mic, calls Japan a bullshit country, tells him to shut the fuck up, and, like, just, just going. It, it is so funny to me this thing and like swearing is great at wrestling i don't know how you get around it when he's like and and until i come back to this bullshit country again the japanese love it too because like the if they they hate it if they recognize any words it's the bad ones that's right? right whereas like if you were to have a japanese wrestler come to america and cut japanese promos on the audience like say you could give the mic to Shinsuke Nakamura every night, and he gets to cut promos in his native tongue, yeah. and he gets to swear as much as he wants. No one would know. He might be doing that already. <laughs> we don't even know. It's true. <laughs> Do you remember when they were letting Asuka cut promos in Japanese? Yeah, it was awesome. I really felt like they should have kept going with that. Like, I felt like it was really working. Except she's probably too pissed off at her booking. She yeah, would be swearing like, on the mic <laughs> yeah, every night. Get me out of here is the only promo. <laughs> it's, like, it's like how if you speak um, whatever language is being spoken by the Twitter, 12 rings at the beginning of Iron Man. Yes. The twist of the movie is spoiled for you in the first 40 seconds because you know yep. uh, that, that Obadiah Stane is the bad guy. Spoiler alert for a movie that came out 12 years yeah, ago. We're, we're my, sp- my apologies. Yeah, I'm not very... I, I think you got three days with spoilers. That's me. <laughs> it's, we're online, folks. But, but there are people who want to see that movie who speak the native tongue being spoken by oh. the bad guys who are keeping Tony hostage in the cave. Yeah, I heard. Who are, like, they knew instantly that, like, That's everything so that was going to happen in the next two hours. Think of, think of, like, how disappointed you'd be. Everyone's, like, trying to come along for the story, and you're just, like... It would be hilarious if there were Japanese viewers of, like, SmackDown every week who knew exactly how furious Asuka was <laughs> with her status in WWE. Nakamura's backstage like, you can say that? <laughs> like, this is... Oh, my God. This is an eye-opener. Uh, J-Mo, I'm going to give Dominion a solid B+. I really enjoyed the show. I thought the main event didn't fully deliver on sort of what I expect out of an Okada match, but okay. I enjoyed the post-match in such a deep way that it gave me... Oh, and I didn't even mention, Tanahashi get, was on commentary for this. Comes out and saves um, uh, Okada from the Jericho beatdown. So Jericho, Tanahashi, also a feud that's planted. So look forward to seeing more of Chris Jericho nice back man. in New Japan. Oh, it seems like Jericho's got feuds everywhere right it, now. Yeah, it's smart, man. You, you look, Chael Sonnen in MMA does this so well. John Moxley oh, at yeah. AEW. Just like, start get have feuds in the fire, well, man. Look at what uh, the Kevin Owens when he started in NXT. Right. He felt like yep. the biggest deal immediately because he was feuding with literally everyone in the company, including William Regal, where you're <laughs> like, is Regal going to have one more match? Yes. Can he even do that? Shooting that shot and just like having irons in the fire can add so much especially for those B players like I think of like a Baron Corbin and if somebody more meaningful just like start a throwaway like a couple throwaway lines not feuding with them but something they could return to later where it might have just a little be a sizzle dick to everyone yeah it's like okay so now when we do have well, to return to a raw match there's something that's like you know when we talked about what Corbin has done well over the last year what are the moments that we've circled back to they did it multiple times at least two maybe three yeah where he got like the the Western villain at the end of a yeah. cowboy movie surrounded by everyone that he'd pissed off over the course of the movie and just, like, you know, Scar killed by his own hyenas. That's that sort right. of thing. Like, that sort of, uh, you know, uh, cinematic villainous undoing. True comeuppance. Yeah, that, and that's built on being a dick to everyone. Yes, yeah. So, need more of that. Yeah, I and, and of course, Chris Jericho... Always savvy. Regardless, I, I think it's safe to say at this point, based off of only two matches, and I'm sure this will age terribly, 
I don't know that Chris Jericho's necessarily going to be putting on classics at this point without stipulations. I don't think that's a take that's going to age terribly at all. It's well, He might have one more in it, but it's I don't know. If you can't get it done with Omega and Okada, it's like, okay, what? It, and not that he didn't get it done. These weren't bad matches, mm-hmm. but just, I I think you felt the same for Double or Nothing. It's like, should these be what we're going home on? The, the post-match stuff is good, but that was just my, my feelings well, on it. Well, it's funny because of the way you and I watched Double or Nothing. That was the yeah, first match <laughs> that we true. saw, and the last match we saw wound up being... You know, uh, the the Rhodes showdown into the the tag match yeah. between Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks, which was insane. Felt like a so we, we like ended on a high. Best of both worlds. Whereas if we'd ended, and we still would have ended on a high because that mock stuff after the show was stupendous. Anyways, I do want to ask you this. Oh, okay. Um, which is, uh, <clears throat> how would you rank this show in comparison to Wrestle Kingdom thirteen? Because Worse. personally. I did not feel like Wrestle Kingdom 13 lived up to the lofty Wrestle Kingdom echelon, even though I'd only seen 12 before this. Sure, yeah, but but 12 is a you know great high one water. Of the, mark. One of the greatest shows ever. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's, that's funny. Yeah, I guess it it might be. It's, yeah, it's very good. Um, I felt that the Wrestle Kingdom 13 was a stronger show than Dominion, yeah. but without as high of a point as Naito versus Ibushi. Okay. Um, but I did I did like the depth. I thought Tanahashi J. White over-delivered. Expectations play so much into things, right? That yeah. It's what, and again, I'm sorry to keep raving about it, but it's what made Naito Ibushi so special is like the expectations are so high, and when it can still deliver in that, that's something really special, right? And I think it's what people liked about Omega Okada. And so I think Tanahashi J. White, two guys who, are, you know, I like Tanahashi but and don't like J. White, but so when they can over-deliver, that can add something too. But I felt like Wrestle Kingdom 13 was a bit more of a solid card, but Dominion's still well worth watching. Okay, yeah. Because I was like, huh, my favorite match on Wrestle Kingdom 13 was probably Okada J. White. Yeah. And just from listening to what you're saying about this show. Did I say Tanahashi J. White? Yeah. Sorry. But that's from Wrestle Kingdom 12. Right, right, right. what we were just talking about is one of the best shows ever. Yeah. And that's probably one of the worst matches on (laughs) that show. (laughs) Good job, me. Yeah, this one was so good. I'm just going to reference the bad match. But, like, that's my probably my favorite match on that show. But it's a short, very kind of WWE-style match. 13 minutes, I think. And, you know... Just from hearing you rave about Naito Ibushi, probably better than anything that happened on Wrestle Kingdom. I think so. Yeah, I think it peaks higher than anything on Wrestle Kingdom. And that's probably rare for a New Japan year to not have yeah. one of their matches of the year. That probably is true. That's I mean, a good I, point. I have not been following for long enough to make that as a yeah, I mean, sweeping determination. Yeah, but let's just speak like it's fact, and I think that's fact. So. <laughs> and if you have a problem with it, it's uh, at Bike Melon. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, just tell me what an idiot I am. And uh, uh, Jamie, you spent some time on the WWE Network this week. I did, yeah. I did not watch Dominion, but what I did watch, instead of Raw even, and maybe I should do this going forward, Uh-oh. I'm really thinking that maybe the play going forward is to just catch whatever highlights seem important of Raw yep. on YouTube, mm-hmm. which they seem to want you to do. It's well, very there's less YouTube videos to, going up oh, now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They've made like a concerted effort. They've put less YouTube, I think, that's, for the last month. That's probably good because they were giving away the whole show at some point. I, I think... Maybe could be good, but are other people? I don't think the people who were watching on YouTube were like, oh, "Okay, I guess I'm going to get cable now that they're uploading less." <laughs> like, I, I don't think that's real yeah, necessarily. You're right. you're right. Um, but but it is crazy. Like, I'm a huge Seth Rollins guy. Of course, I'm a huge Becky Lynch guy. Yep. I shouldn't be in a place where I'm thinking 
I should watch 205 Live every week instead of the flagship show with my two favorite wrestlers on it. And yet here you are. Not that they're my two favorites, Daniel Bryan, obviously, uh, and SmackDown. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm not at a place where I'm ready to throw in the towel on SmackDown. It has its ups and downs, but I think is consistently largely pretty good. Yeah. But if I'm going to spend three hours watching WWE programming every week. What should it be? Am I going to watch Raw or am I going to watch... 205 Live, NXT, and NXT UK. Well, the only problem with NXT UK is you have to hear the theme song. So you can just <laughs> cut that one. But that's a roster that I'm super into. Of course, yeah. Especially now that Noam Dar on this week's 205 was threatening that he's going to request a transfer over to 205, or, yep. or NXT UK full-time. Well, I feels, like Noam Dar. It feels more like a universe now, the three shows. Like you can think, and, and even to a degree, like the call-ups to SmackDown sort of reinforce that, even though you might think that that's a weird thing. But it seems like there is some movement between them. The wild card is bad, but like Noam or Gulak going from 205 to NXT, mm-hmm. that's good to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that sort of bleed over. I got a double dose this week of Oni Lorcan and Drew Gulak, and to me, that was better than anything I've gotten from the wild card rule. Yeah, I'm going to get a double dose of anyone. Do I want it to be Shane McMahon or Oni Lorcan? Oh, fucking hard to pick yeah. one there. Well, who, who will it be? Two things quickly. One, that's a dream match. Uh, two. <laughs> okay, yes, absolutely <laughs> It is. You just stumbled upon, like, <laughs> you said the words Oni Lorcan and Shane McMahon, <laughs> and my eyes were just like, oh my Jesus, I want to see that. So, one. Uh, and then, two, yeah, absolutely, that's the thing you'd want to see. Did you see Lance Storm's tweet about what he would do with the wildcard rule? No. Boy, did I think this was tremendous. Lance Storm just floated, because, first of all, I don't think I, you're going to disagree with me here. The wildcard rule is actively hurting the product in a very major way for me. It's yes, big time. It is this is not my opinion. This is something that many people have said. We were just ripping on Mike Noble. We should say that he is correct about yeah. this. It is really only allowing there to be three dominant storylines on both shows the at same the people. same time. Like three to five maybe tops. And yes, it's just Shane McMahon all the all over the place. Well, and you, you put it so well uh, in, in the Patreon chat saying that if it was a more defined faction with Shane, yeah. uh, I think that both of us might respond to it a bit more. Yeah, Give if, it a name. If the Revival were in there every week and not just popping in when it's convenient. Yeah, just when, heels attaching. When, when they, they need a heel tag team to go against a babyface tag team. Like... Yeah, it's what I said in the chat, and I'll say it again on the show right now, is imagine in 1999 tuning in, and from one week to another, you had no fucking idea who was in the corporation. Yeah. That would be, be insane. insane. Yeah, it would be truly insane. And that's what we're dealing with with the wildcard rule right now. So Lance Storm's uh, uh, antidote, and, and listen, I don't, know if, I don't know if I've thought about this enough to know if it fixes everything, but I did think it was a great starting point where he said, Unify the titles from all the shows. Get rid of the wild card rule. If you're a champion, you can be on any show. I think that way you can still have your stars on both shows. It satiates the the ratings sort of uh, answer that they're nervous about why they put the wild card in to begin with, and it gives a bit more sense because right now, who's choosing who the wild cards are? What? It's not like they're feuding with people from opposite shows. They're just like showing up, and it's the same people all the time. It's if you had the champs can go to any show and all the belts are unified. I think that's a healthier piece of programming. Thank you, Lance Storm. Yeah, hell yeah. But what I will say is, yeah. 205 Live. Let's talk about it. Yeah, talk about it. Have, have you watched it recently? When was I, the last time you watched 205 Live? We watched an episode here earlier in the year, and that was the last one I watched. So, like, February, March, something like that. Long time. Months, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, a How while about for back. You? Uh, I, I was 
invested in the tournament yeah. that they were doing in the lead up to Mania, but then as soon as I had a feeling as to who that was going to be, the final two in that tournament, and it was not Drew Gulak. <laughs> yep. I was like, uh, well, I know what are we doing here? Yeah. But, 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 great show, great, ah. and I and I will say. I tuned in partly because something that they did pissed me off. Okay. What what pissed you off? When I was on my way to work on Tuesday, mm-hmm. I saw Twitter blowing up with the WWE tweet that Chad Gable had debuted on 205 Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the best news for me as a fan of Chad Gable, yeah, who's frustrated that he cannot find opportunities on either Raw or SmackDown. Felt like a demotion to you in a way. Yeah, this is a guy who should be thoroughly involved in your IC or US title scene. He should be in your main event scene. <laughs> that... Too. He yes. has he has more star power in him than Seth Rollins does. Period. <laughs> I don't know about that, but raw star power. There's, uh, I can see the argument that he's very similar to a Kurt Angle. Not to yeah. uh, continue to fan the flames on that comparison. It's the obvious comparison, but it's also accurate. Like yes. he's good at goofy. He's good at serious. He can Matt wrestle. His the, wrestling is incredible. Yeah. Okay, but they put him on this episode, and I come into it thinking. Everybody's raving about this match between Chad Gable and, and, and Gallagher. Gallagher, and I'm going to have to be, you know, I'm going to have to wait until the end of this show, because there's no way they're putting on Gable and Gallagher right out the gate. Not the case. Gentleman Jack and Chad Gable open the show. Oh, I like that. How was the match? Very, very good, but it ended on a countout after a brutal suplex spot on the outside okay. that Gallagher could not get back in for. Okay. So they've already hooked me in that this is going to be a Gable-Gallagher series that yep. will probably continue week over week. So come back next week to see this c- carry over. Like exactly what we were saying about what you want You're selling me from on a it. continued <laughs> matchup between the same two guys. So not only do I get that, but the appearance of of Chad Gable on this show, who is for sure still going to be on SmackDown yep. because he was on SmackDown with a little clipboard making notes about, about Apollo Crews, yep. maybe sparking some kind of seeds, planting some seeds for an Apollo-Gable tag team down the line. We'll see what they do. Who knows? No more tag teams for Gable. I agree with that, but... I hear you. This is maybe what they're doing. All I'm saying is I was heartened to watch SmackDown and then watch 205 and think, okay, well... It's not like the, he, he's being pulled off of this show. Right. He's doing both. Yes, which is good. And he's getting to wrestle on And that <laughs> brings eyeballs. If I like Chad Gable, which I think a lot of people do. Of course. And I hear that he's going to be on 205 Live. I'm going to tune into 205 Live and, and watch it. I'm going to watch that. If they do that rematch next week, I will watch it. You but, have... but then they followed it up with a show that was worth watching all the way through. Well, not a total rundown, but what was another highlight on it? Okay, you get a backstage segment right after that match, and I, I'm not going to do a full rundown of the entire show, but this is another interesting thing that I did want to talk about. Yeah. Mike and Maria Canellis backstage the giving a verbal dressing down to our general manager. Oh. Uh, Rockstar Spud, Drake, uh, Drake, Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick. Yeah. Drake also opened the show with a two-camera monologue about how tonight we'll find out who the challenger for uh, the Cruiserweight title will be at Stomping Grounds. Okay. So we're going to finally settle this. I'm finally choosing the challenger. We're going to have a fatal four-way main event between f- these four guys, Humberto Carrillo, who yep. I've never seen before, but he's a Mexican high flyer. He used to be called uh, Ultimo... Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Ultimo Dragon? Mm, possibly. Regardless. I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. Uh, he, he was very impressive. The other part- participants, uh, Akira Tozawa, Drew Gulak... And Oni Lorcan. 
Wow. So one guy who I've never heard of, yeah. three guys who I really like. Yeah. And, the the, match was... and then the one guy that I'd never heard of wound up being great. That's... So he was amazing. That's four awesome guys in the main event. But we got a backstage segment where Mike Canales is furious that he's not in the match. Sure. Why aren't you giving me opportunities? I've been here forever, and you're not doing anything with me. What the hell's going on yeah. here? Which is true to life. That is playing off of the exact drama that we are, are you know, it's playing off of what fans are seeing on the outside looking in at this company. You got all these guys signed. You don't fucking do anything with them. That's absolutely true. You got Mike and Maria tweeting the countdown to their yeah. contract expiration. I think... That's a work. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, Be- I would think so, because too. Because this tied in to the storyline. Oh. Drake says, why would I give you an opportunity? You're, I see you out there on social media talking about how I can't wait to get out of here. Oh, that's great. I'd be an idiot to give you that kind of opportunity. And then today. That's great. Today, Mike Canellis back on Twitter talking about how you need to get Drake Maverick out of there. He's a bum. He's ruining the show. He's a, he's a lame duck GM. Wow. I should be the GM. This is fantastic. This is building a Mike Kanellis versus Drake Maverick feud, which will probably get spud in the ring for the first time in WWE in a real serious way, which I'm really invested in that. That sounds awesome. Then you get a kind of throwaway tag match of the Bollywood boys, uh, the, si- the Singh brothers, as a tag team against two local talent luchadors called Los Locales. Okay. <laughs> the locals. <laughs> yeah, and it was fine. a throwaway whatever. Yeah. But it's crazy to me that we go through an hour-long show, which caps off with this awesome four-man main event, yeah. and Humberto Carrillo really made a hell of an impression on me in that main event. Oni Lorcan, predictably awesome. Yeah. Akira Tozawa, someone who I was super into when I he remember, was feuding yeah. with Neville and then just totally fell off because it's like they gave him the title and then they took it off of him and then they were like, well, I don't know what to do with this guy anymore. That was so weird when he took it off Neville and it was like, whoa, somebody ended Neville's streak and they put it back on Neville, I think, at like the next pay-per-view. He won it on 205 Live and like on that Sunday Neville got it back, I think, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. So but. Tony Nese is your champion. And the man who's going to challenge him at Stomping Grounds is Akira Tozawa and oh. Drew Gulak because they pinned each other at the same time ah. off of a joint cradle coming out of a superplex. Okay. So it's a very unique spot to end the match. Have they done a triple threat for that title on a pay-per-view before? I'm, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Ended with some controversy. You got two guys that I'm both super invested in. And suddenly you've got, like, what's the problem with Tony Nese? He sucks. <laughs> he's a good wrestler, eh. sort of. He's all right. But he's not really a compelling baby face. How is he the champion? And he's a boring heel. He might be the worst guy on that show. So he's right there in the middle, but you've surrounded him for this match with a compelling heel and a compelling baby face. Right. And all three guys can go. It's going to be a good match. Are we going to put it on Gulak? I, well, who knows? But it's something, right? Yeah. That, that whole show was an hour long and gave me more reason to want to tune in again next week than anything I've seen on Raw in ages. I mean, that kicks ass. Uh, I do want to move to questions shortly because we have so many yeah. this week, but I want to know some other impressions because you watched NXT and UK, right? I, I didn't watch UK, but okay. I want to just from what I saw yeah. in terms of teasers and promotions and who's on that show. So might this become part of your wrestling diet in a I th- bit more? I, I think, yeah. I Are, think on weeks where I'm not interested in Raw, I'm definitely going to go to this three-hour block instead because it's really easy to watch them all back-to-back on the network. It's also freakish. like when you, you For some reason, when you frame it like that, it's like, oh my lord. Like The fact that you get those three shows in, in the space of just raw, mm-hmm. that I know that sounds obvious. Everyone can do math. One, one, one. That's three. But Lord Almighty, it seems like you probably would have a better chance at seeing something really good between those three yeah. 
than on Raw. And so, the main event on NXT this week was uh, uh, Red uh, Dragon versus yeah. Lorcan and Birch, and it was fucking yeah. rad. That, I, I watched that match, and that was absolutely kick-ass, so, like, surprising no one. That's two hours of show that, like, if you watch Raw without commercials, is about the same length. Yep. And I got way more enjoyment out of watching those two shows back-to-back, man. Way more. So, uh, 205 Live. Okay, I was super mad about the Chad Gable thing, but I wouldn't have watched that show if Chad Gable wasn't on that it. That is kind of interesting. And they eh? gave me a show that was like, oh, because what was the problem with 205 Live before? They've done like 135 episodes of 205 Live at this point, which is insane. I mean, that's that's more than our top marks. But the problem was, it's got good wrestling, but you can get good wrestling anywhere. Yeah, I need storylines. I need through lines. I need something that's going to hook me week to week Sounds to like be they invested gave it to in you. these characters. It took them two and a half years, and I don't want to say they finally figured it out because maybe it falls off a month, two months. Sure, or maybe it's been good and we didn't see it. Uh, that seems to be the case because people have been telling me that anyone who was mad about Chad Gable popping up on 205 just haven't been watching 205. Yeah. But regardless, it seems like they figured it out, and man, that is a show that is uh, still alive. Say you're, that you're an effective, uh, you're an effective communicator because now I'm like. Maybe I'll watch that four way tonight. Yeah, you should. It's, yeah, I think I, th- I have a uh, match and definitely watch the opener too. I'm taking a, a recovery weekend this weekend, so there'll be a lot of uh, wrestling watching. Jamo, are you ready to jump into what could only be called the mailbag? It's a two year anniversary mailbag. Wow, and and man, did they deliver? Boy, we've got some some bang up questions this week. I'm excited to dive in. Are you excited to dive in to a very birthday edition of the listener mailbag, Jamo? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. So our first question this week comes to us from JDF at Planet JDF, and he asks, sticking with last week's hashtag good friends question, does Vince ever own up to dropping the ball when a talent departs and catches fire elsewhere? So I'm assuming he's re- relating it to a situation like Cody or letting go of Dean Ambrose to become John Moxley. Well, do you think that Vince admits that, oh, I might have might have uh, dropped the ball with that? I don't know, because the only times that we hear about situations like that coming up Something like AEW's never happened before. There's right. never been someone who's gone out and risen like a phoenix to destroy the structure that held them down before. Yeah, no, it's in that way, it's very unique. But whenever somebody goes out and, like, say, an Alberto Del Rio goes into Lucha Underground and becomes Lucha Underground champion, it's like Vince McMahon will be like, oh. Look at that guy. What a worker. The guy's a true star. Had nothing to do with my machine. He's a star <laughs> anywhere. We got to bring him back here. I'm proud of the kid. Look at him. He's making a name for himself out there. Oh, that is probably so true. But that's what you hear. That's why Del Rio has gotten chance after chance after chance because Vince is just so fucking impressed by anyone <laughs> who goes out there and dominates the indies or still maintains a relatively prominent name for themselves outside the WWE machine. That doesn't sound like someone who's admitting mistakes, though, because Del Rio comes back and gets slotted into the same shit he was stuck <laughs> with before he left, right? So here's something to think about directly to that. So it looks like Lucha Underground is not coming back, not picked up by El Rey, maybe praying for Netflix, but it doesn't sound like it. So if it's true that Lucha Underground goes under, do you know who is their current and then last Lucha Underground champion ever? Is it Sexy Star? It is not Sexy Star. Currently holding their belt is one Jake Strong... Jake Hager, Are you Jack Swagger, me? will be the last ever Lucha Underground champion. Oh, so, look at him. <laughs> He's a star out there. I know it. I'm going to answer this question and say no, I don't think he does. I don't think you'll hear Vince McMahon being like, oh, yeah, shoot, maybe I could have used John Moxley better. Look at him. I, it's just hard for me to picture. I don't see it happening because 
I don't think Vince does a lot of self-reflection. I think he lives inside a bubble of people who, who mostly agree with him. And so, no, I, I don't think so. Yeah, he for sure is constantly being told that every dumb shit thing he ever does is just the most brilliant thing that's ever dropped out of someone's asshole. I could use some of that in my life. You know what? That, that big old dump ski you took earlier, Josh, I did not. No one's ever taken a poop like it before. I, I do not poo. That you, is are not the, you are the one poo king, my friend. <laughs> I don't think I've ever shit at your house. I don't think yeah. I don't, I don't think I don't think I would. I'm just <laughs> I was talking about Vince McMahon taking a uh, dump I, and I had to tie it back in. So sorry about that. Next question this week, J Mo comes to us from the Crystal Daddy, Scoots Brodo, at Scoots Brodo when he says Happy Happy Part of the Orb Gang now. Absolutely, Orb Gang. Replace the O in your name with a crystal ball. Yeah. Should I do that? I have a no. O. Probably not. Yeah, I don't want to. You know. Yeah, the O is already a zero. You're gonna yeah. fade on that one. Yeah, that's, I don't think so. The brand is strong. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday, Top Marks. Thank you, Scoots. I think Scoots is close to a day one listener too. So yeah, pretty much. Those. I think. Yeah, absolutely. What are you wishing for as you blow out the candles on your birthday cake this year? Maybe something for the pod, or perhaps a match you want to see booked. In the next year, I think JMO just stumbled upon mine. Only Lorcan for Shane McMahon <laughs> in a death match. But uh, you know, any any wrestling wishes for for the year to come, JMO, or something for the pod as we blow out the candles on our birthday cake? I mean, I keep hoping that the pod uh, translates to radio at oh, some point. Here. Sure, and I don't want to reveal the game here too much, but uh, I'll say wheels are in motion on that front. That train rolling up a hill could just as easily roll right back there. Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah that's, that's we'll a see. very steep hill, and the train is made of paper. But, <laughs> but that then, is... like a- after years of talking, well, a full year of just talking about it, yeah, I finally made action on that, and I feel really good about it. I feel so, good about it too. So we'll see what happens there. But that's a good wish. Um. Just a general wrestling wish? Yeah. Can you think of a match that hasn't happened? Even something cross-promotionally. I mean, AJ Omega is obviously something that's always going to be in the, the pocket of wrestling fans. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I You know, just for the show, I hope that we get treated to an incredible uh, NXT TakeOver Toronto. Yeah. that I want Toronto... When I want to... For the first time ever, I think I might look at. There's a NXT taping today or tomorrow. I think you're gonna look at the spoilers. To I see never how it shapes lo- up. Yeah, because I'm very. I feel like it's like part of the trip. Like that's. Oh, for sure so it is. Yeah, absolutely. I want to know what I'm going to see. So yeah, maybe I'll I'll split that wish with Bolt the Candle. I'm wishing for a great takeover with the good friends. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to a hell of a weekend because man, so many listeners are gonna be there, it's and nuts. so many of our friends from the internet that we get to meet for the first time. It's gonna be bonkers. It's gonna be fucking crazy. That whole weekend is gonna be insane. I know you've already uh, counted yourself out from SummerSlam that you're, well, that you're, your plan right now is to watch it with people at, correct. at someone's house or yeah, whatever yeah. I want here's what I'll wish because I already know that NXT TakeOver that's going to deliver Put it's, the wish it's out NXT there. TakeOver we're probably getting Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole in the main event how would that not be great no, yeah and and there's all these Killian Danes going back to NXT. That's true. Uh, yeah, Dream did not get called up. Like, there's you could get some Tyler stuff. Breeze is still Tyler Breeze is in the there? mix. Yeah. Like, there's reason to think we might get something special. We certainly could, but I want a SummerSlam card oh. that is so tantalizing we ah, can't not go to it. That's a great one because I am also in the same position as you right now, where I have not bought my Slam ticket yet feel like it might be out of my price range depending on what tickets are going for the weekend of. Look, they're already sold out right now, so we're yeah. dealing with the secondary marketplace no matter what. I want to get to a point where too many tickets sold, secondary market is like taking a bath or selling at cost day before, and you and I 
can't not go yes. because the card is too fucking good. You would love to see it. Jim, our next question this week comes to us from Yowie Wowie at Bufferosi, friend of the show, of course, Brandon O'Connor. And he asks, which opponent in each of AEW and New Japan are you least looking forward to seeing Big Mox wrestle? Good question. So Pro- in- probably Jericho in AEW. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really much like it in WWE when Jericho was a the Ambrose Asylum and a better, and- better, skinnier man at the time. I mean, Jericho could be the answer <laughs> for both. Yeah, Moxley. Jericho doesn't do a ton for me. I know uh, the character stuff would be great, and the promos back and forth would be good. Uh, yeah. I mean, Dean's, or Mox, rather, is kind of working a heel gimmick right now, so I don't know how well he would match up um, character-wise with MJF. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Like, that, that I was going to say, like, I'm trying to pick a guy from, like, the middle ground of the AEW roster. Jungle Boy, MJF. But these seem like they would all be fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that. I want. I want Moxley facing the big names. I want Mox in those. Okay, here's here's one for you. That's Go not ahead, Jericho. Yeah, and this is someone who I've been a big proponent of on the show. Who I feel like I have been vindicated by their performances over the last year for okay. being a early adopter. It's Dolph Ziggler, isn't it? <laughs> Hangman paid. Oh yeah, there you go. I don't know that him and Mox would match up stylistically the best way. That's I kind of feel that way about him and Jericho already, which is weird because I've sort of warmed to Hangman too. But yeah, I don't. I definitely know what you're saying about that. It could <laughs> surprise me, and they wind up having amazing chemistry. But when I think about their styles right now. I don't know that that's going to be good. I'm such a doofus because my, my mind immediately, for some reason, was like, oh, yeah, Mox for Bad Luck Fale. That'd be awful. And then as you were talking, I was like, hang on, maybe I really want to see <laughs> Mox for Bad Luck Fale. <laughs> so my answer was Bad Luck Fale, but I'm no longer standing hey, by it. Here's another wish for the show. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Our, our brewmaster, Craig Tambo, oh, keeps yeah. cooking up these wrestling beers. Yes. Keeps going back to the well with my Velveteen Dream idea. Was that your idea? I'm pretty sure it was. Pretty sure. Oh, I don't know. I assume I'm pretty it was sure Craig. he asked a question of the show asking us to come up with dream beers. Oh, is that right? He, he if I'm full of shit on this and I'm taking credit for something that I did oh, not Oh yeah, no, I'm with, just asking. I'm fully welcoming Craig to call me on my bluff right sure, now. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that was my answer. That's a good idea. It was a good beer. Um, it's a great beer. But how have we not had the bad luck folly pale ale? The yet? bad luck folly pale ale. We got to drink <laughs> the bad luck folly pale ale. The underbrew. <laughs> <laughs> Jamar, our next question this week comes from the aforementioned Mike Noble. We didn't answer the New Japan portion of that question, I don't think. I just said bad luck following. Uh, you did, yeah. <laughs> oh, did it, was it? Were we supposed to pick only one from either? Yeah. Okay, never yeah. mind then. Yeah. Uh, next question. Yeah, Mike Noble, bike melon roommate of the show, asks: We're getting a top marks birthday cake made to com- commemorate one specific moment in this two-year run. Which moment gets brought to life in a physical, ready-to-be-eaten form? Can you believe I, something – this sounds like a weird question, but I, I, I sort of, when I read this, knew exactly what mine was for whatever reason. Really? Yeah. Uh, I remember landing uh, back from Japan after Wrestle Kingdom 12 and mm. being in the airport, being so jet-lagged and all jacked up and, like, part of me wanting to go home. Been on a plane for, like, 16 hours. Yeah, and, and that comes with its own sort of weirdness. But I remember being, like – if I go to bed, it's going to be hard to do the show because who knows how long I'll sleep for, this yeah. sort of thing. And I've got a lot to say. And I was so eager to get here and like hit the mics before 
like the tired washed in and that just felt like a really I don't want to say special but I remember that feeling being like I have something I need to exercise before I just collapse and I haven't I don't have that feeling very often so if you could put that into a cake that's mine okay I that's so, a, is that a weird answer no that's a great choice it felt weird but that, that, that was the first thing that came to mind yeah no you and you on your way over here from the airport uh, as like the toys that are on a cake or whatever <laughs> yeah that's we right a the, plane the we got cab. a van driving towards the tower <laughs> two lij hats yeah. <laughs> but now, we went over this a little bit when we had episode 100 a couple weeks back. Yep. I don't often remember the funny jokes from this show. Never. Like, there are things that come up that will have me screaming with laughter. Yep. Uh, and then, it, like, it's just out of my mind. Oh, uh, yeah, you as forget. As soon as it's done, it's gone. Uh I mean, Flash Morgan Webster talking about prog bands is oh, kind of fun. Oh, gosh, yeah. Like that's, that a lot. that's very funny. Uh, anytime, anytime I get to do character work, I'm always a fan of that. Of but, course. But, but you know what? If I had to make one cake, it would probably be to commemorate uh, the drunken blow-up fight we had after, <laughs> after Whiskey Mania this year. <laughs> Why? Which, which canceled the Whiskey Mania episode because it's fucking hilarious. you canceled the podcast. It, it almost yeah no it's it's fucking hilarious to think yeah. like you're 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 truly one of if not my best friend. I, we, I probably hang out with you more often than I hang out with anyone else in my life. So which sorry for to hear someone that. who I had, have only known for like two and a half years. I yeah, think that's pretty impressive. You have rocketed up the friends' the power, power rankings, rankings yeah. in a fucking hurry. I had man. to just dust Graham and uh, beat up uh, <laughs> Tom. Yeah, and Tom. Yeah. Well, after he puked at the Rumble, there was <laughs> no hope for him. Yeah, just by staying the course, I've managed to like tortoise and hair this but one. You are one of my best friends in the world, and to think that we uh, were just we had this blow up screaming fight because we were just twenty shots deep in the brown <laughs> liquor is is like outrageously funny retrospectively it, it's like a, a cake but the center of it is jameson the cake is like baked around this bottle of exactly. jameson and yeah. then there's two just like red faced <laughs> little figures on it and on the cake it says <laughs> i'm out of your life yeah, that's, <laughs> and then we eat and then we enjoy that's a great cake yeah jamo we got so many questions this week i'm gonna keep us moving yeah, absolutely go for it next one this week comes to us from andrew dalbar at a dalbar and he asks theoretical Shane McMahon shows up on AEW Weekly Television, hopefully to fight the recently signed Oni Lorcan, <laughs> uh, in a couple years, announcing that WWE has purchased them. Well, that's never happening. The Khan family's buying WWE. Who is the <laughs> biggest name leading the invasion angle? From AEW yeah. or from WWE? Uh, I, w I took this to mean from AEW, but... Uh, well, and the second part sort of leads to that. He says, who never shows up in WWE until 15 years down the line for a novelty run a la Sting? Really good question. I think that's the Young Bucks who never show up. I, I totally agree. That that part seems very easy to me. The Young Bucks are the, the holdouts, I think. I think I think Kenny would be a holdout as well. He would eventually come around, but it would be like the two years later sort of NWO thing. Yeah, it's Cody leading it, isn't it? It's... Or is it is he ex-WWE and that makes it too weird? I think that's why it would be him. Because my mind initially went to Hangman because he's like the the new, fresh, young face of, of AEW. But it just seems like there's a lot, a lot you could draw from a, a Cody invasion angle returning home, especially if Jericho's with him too. That's kind of interesting. But I'll say, I'll say uh, Hangman Page. Yeah, Hangman's a good one. Hang yeah, because you gotta pick someone weird, right? It can't be too obvious. It's got like, cause who led the invasion for WCW? <laughs> Booker <Yeah>. T. 
And then who was the who was the champion? Granted, but became the champion on the final night, I believe. Yeah, last pay per view. I don't know if it was the last night. Yeah, right. He defended on the final night against Flair. I want to say. Is that true? I can't remember. I I I've gone down the rabbit hole of that final night show so many times, but it's just all blur uh, at some point. Um, no Flair. Maybe maybe Flair and Hogan had a match on that final night show. I remember. Okay. Or Flair and Sting. Flair had some kind of iconic big star pairing match on that show. I can't remember what it is. Regardless. I know so little about WWE. You, you need like the the AEW version of Booker T within the massive power rankings of. A, a WCW because he was the champion, but he was clearly not a top guy. Not the top guy, certainly. Yeah. It so, also has to be somebody who's intrinsically AEW, I feel like. Maybe the person isn't there yet. I don't think it's Omega, though. Maybe, for, for talking two years from now, maybe it's Darby Allen. I mean, he'd be a great guy to lead an invasion. You see his promo this week in yeah, the, the really, Road 2 series. I really cool. thought that was great. Yeah. Um, we, of course, saw, have seen him a couple times uh, locally. Pacific and, Northwest guy. Yeah. He's performed up here a, a bunch. Yeah, for sure. So there you go, Andrew. I don't know. That's a hard one to answer. Yeah, because we don't know where they'll be in the f- – the, But the, the Bucks are for sure the – they're they're not wrestling in WWE until like they're fifty seven. Why did we both just think that that was absolutely because the they they hate the Fed so much they both swore to never go there. Well, and they've succeeded outside of it too and yeah. st- started their own t shirt company. Uh, <laughs> Jay, our next question this week comes to us from Garrett Swan at Garrett Martin ninety, and he asks a very specific question: Have you ever tried to explain the Montreal screw job to a non wrestling fan? Um, I don't think so. Because well, this is going to be really hard to turn into context because well, no, no be, is my answer. Because every time I try to talk about something with uh, people who are non-wrestling fans, it's always tied to what I love about wrestling. So the most common thing that I explain to people is the rise uh, and fall and rise again of Daniel Bryan. Yeah. like It's, that, a, it's the, a more human, easy-to-understand story. Yeah. If, if you don't understand the mechanics of pro wrestling, the, the screw job just won't make any sense. Like The number one thing I'm trying to explain to someone when I explain wrestling to someone who's not a fan is like why I like this. Yeah, it's the journey, not in between the ropes. We're so, watching a journey. Yeah, so it's typically Daniel Bryan's life story. Jamo, a, a hard question here from the birthday boy. Shares a birthday with the show. A very happy birthday to our guy, at Lorenzo Meow. Doug, Doug crap. crap. An absolute cornerstone of the community. Doug, happy birthday, man. And, you know, also, fuck you, because this is a very difficult question that I'm going to have a hard time putting. But, JMO, rank the following musical cues. The stings at the beginning of songs. Are you ready? Yes. Undertaker's gong. Okay. Mick Foley's car crash. The rocks, if you smell. And Stone Cold's glass shattering. I think you, Stone Cold's got to be the top. Of Glass the list. shatters is for sure number one. Got to be number one. And then I'm torn between Taker and Rock. Just because of the longevity, I think we're gonna go with the Gong number two. Yeah. Because like it still gets I'm me going fired gong up to hear it as well. today. Nah, it doesn't and I, and I, and I know I sh- it shouldn't. It's like Pavlovian to me now when I hear yes, the Gong. Exactly. I, I tune out. I start, <laughs> I start drooling immediately. Yeah, it's, I'll put Gong second, and then Foley. And then, if you smell in last. Um, I'm going to put Foley last. Yeah. Because as much as I love his theme, as a sound effect, it's not that distinctive. Like, yeah. You can pick it out and know that it's Foley for sure, but it's not anywhere near the, oh my god, it's Foley, the way Glass Shatters yeah. or the other two are. Like, I... It's tricky because I, I feel like, and not that these guys, other ones aren't, and again, putting Foley in last, I have him in second last, so I'm not pushing back, mm-hmm. but... 
I do feel like something about a car crash just tells you so much of what you need to know about Mick Foley. Like it's, yeah. and, and and I guess the gong would be number one for that too. Like I feel like, which is weird because a gong really has nothing to do with an undead person, but whatever it does now. But I feel like Foley is a car crash. His matches are car crashes. They're they're destructive and and in motion. And he's yeah. patched together with the leather mask. Yeah, and yeah. There's something true about that. But, it's but just, he's his. I, you can push back on this. This might be my spiciest take sure. of the show. Oh, boy. I, just, I just don't feel like his music lives up to how good of a wrestler he is. Mm. Like, it's not a bad theme, but it's not an elite theme. Of all of the just, like, riff rock stuff from there, I prefer it to Austin's. Fair. For whatever that's worth. But the glass shatters just add so much to it. But anyway, great question. Difficult difficult one. Uh, we d- differentiate on the bottom two, but together on the top two. Hell yeah. Next one this week, Jamal, comes to us from Topecon Pachico at Blair Pachico. And he asks, early in the week, friend of the show, Lorenzo Meow. Well, hang on. Does, can Blair call him a friend of the show? Yes, I think so. No, I, th- I think it's a good friend of the show in that case. Okay, fair. Maybe I'm wrong. About I have this. no idea. Mentioned in the Top Marks Patreon group chat. Which you can join by heading on over to Top Marks. Or wait, hang on. I screwed it up. You can yeah. join by heading on over to Patreon.com slash Top Marks and throwing $5 in the hat. Let me tell you, if you want to get your question read on air, build in an easy segue for us to pitch the, <laughs> the Patreon. You, if your question is literally, you guys have a Patreon, what's your first name? You might get, you might get read on this show. There, there's a very real chance. Um, uh, he mentioned in the Top Marks Patreon group chat that Chris Jericho would die if he was in the G1 this year. Yeah, Very real chance. Yeah, absolutely would. <laughs> Which version of Chris Jericho would have been the most successful in the G1? Lionheart, Y2J, List, New Japan, etc. I'm going to go Undisputed Champion Jericho. Yeah. Because he's got... He would also have Stephanie McMahon, heel manager, at his yep. disposal then, which would kind of, I, I would imagine, have a very similar New Japan dynamic to what Cody and Brandy had, mm-hmm. uh, which I would kind of be into, I For think. Sure. Well, and the list just doesn't work in New Japan. And like, and like he would be at a place where he had the respectability of not just being a junior heavyweight. Like, yeah. he, he's the top champion in the top company in the world. Yeah, WCW Cruiserweight Jericho is not the one to pick here either. I think your space is right there. Undisputed. Even, like, Shawn Michaels feud 2009 Jericho, like he, that guy. Yeah, I'm just thinking the younger we go where he's still an established top guy, the more likely you're you're not going to see him kill, kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> Jamo, our next question this week comes to us from uh, Ryan Shop. It's at Shop Top, and he asks... Dana Warrior, for those who don't know, and I, I don't know how just by saying her name you wouldn't know, but the, the widower of the ultimate warrior uh, who took his last name, Dana Warrior is her, re- I mean, her name is Dana Warrior. That is this woman's name. And his name used to be Dingo Warrior. Dingo Warrior. Used to be Dana and Dingo. Wow, now there's a power couple. Uh, has somehow gotten a key role on the creative team. Try and figure out how or why she got that job without getting canceled. Um, did you see her post, which I imagine this is in response to, where she was uh, happy LGBT wearing a rainbow version of the Ultimate Warriors yeah. mask? Fuck off with and, that. And, like, look, obviously the frills and, and streamers and stuff attached to Ultimate Warriors costume, rainbow colored, but the man is one of the most notorious homophobes, not just in wrestling, but in the history of public figures, yeah, period. We're not talking about your grandfather's, like, I don't want him to kiss in public. We're talking about a guy who went on Fox News and said, homophobic, aggressive, I, the fa- trying to even remotely tie him in posthumously to, to any sort of LGBTQ initiative is gross, and also just, like, 
like the fact the the map. I mean, just not good. I am. I didn't even know she's on the creative team. I don't know what Dana Warrior is to offer a creative. <laughs> like I, I've, I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. Um, she's apparently involved with like the scripting of women's segments or whatever. It just seems like a make work position for someone right. that they want to keep in the corporate fold. Right. So, you know, fuck that lady, fuck this company, um, fuck Ultimate Warrior, and uh, I hope um, I hope she dies the way that he died, which is instantaneously, <laughs> and then we never have to think about them again. I don't want her to get the promo <laughs> first, though. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, yeah, no, give her give her twenty minutes on Raw, and then she <laughs> dies the next day. I mean, I'm willing to take that. That small pain of hearing her promo. Yes. To get the pleasure of like just her being died. done with this <laughs> couple altogether. The warrior family. Now, um, remember when I said I wanted this show to be on the radio? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, we were really cheering for this woman's death <laughs> around here. That's uh, also old people shouldn't vote. Yeah. Uh, anything else we yeah, need? Yeah, put to, me on the air. I don't. Yeah, drugs keep you healthy. Yeah. Okay, here we go. get all those uh, out of the way. Be a corporate sellout over here. Yeah, we were tr- okay, here. Well, well, we could hang on. Keep, obviously, edit this out, JMO. But maybe here, just edit out what I just said, and I'm going to say. Making us okay, very radio okay, friendly, okay? Okay. okay. Uh, Jamo, our next question this week uh, has a sponsor. It's Walmart, a company that we love. Uh, they're great, great deals, rollback, all the good stuff over at Walmart. Yeah, we're the great value version of something to wrestle. That's absolutely correct, and we won't swear like those heathens on mm-hmm. that other show. Yes. So here's our final question on our happy birthday episode of Top Marks. And what better way to send it home than from our 2018 most powerful listener, of course. It's your dad's new boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's at Matt Rainus. <laughs> Matt Rainus. And he has. <laughs> this is a variation on a uh, question we've got before, I feel like. Your dad's <laughs> So good. I laugh every time he favorites my tweets. Okay, you, you're the- <laughs> Matt asks, choose six wrestlers to form a real-life Avengers. Assume they all have their kayfabe power. I don't know levels. why that got me so bad. You're like reading it. <laughs> it's a your dad's new boyfriend. Um, so, we, so we have to build the Avengers yes, with wrestlers. Yes, okay. I think I think we can do this pretty easily. We're well equipped for this. John Cena is Captain America. There's That's, just yeah, no question. Of course. About it. I, there's not even a second place. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say Roman Reigns for Thor. Yeah, very, very uh, hyper-powered. Well, because Matt does – I didn't read this part of his question, but he says they have their their, K, their strength in kayfabe relates to their strength in the Avengers. Okay, okay. So Thor is extremely strong in the last two Avengers movies. And also someone who it took them a long time to figure out how to properly use in well, the movies. That, that's the tie-in, and he's best when he's looser. Like, they're, they're, there's tie-ins for, for yeah, certain. Yeah, he's, he's best in a group with comedic uh, elements. You yes. You say that's true of Roman Reigns. Absolutely true. Whether it's the Usos or his shield brother. Who's going to be Black Widow? Who's, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Sasha Banks. Oh. Duplicitous at the moment. There's yes. no telling what side she's on. Yes. What her ultimate motives may be. Who knows? Even like the moveset has like some flexibility in it and yeah. like the Banks. Did. Yeah, I like that. Uh, how about the Hulk? Sorry, what? The Hulk. Uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk? <laughs> okay, so we're going to go combination on this one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Paul Heyman is Bruce Banner. Absolutely correct. And Brock Lesnar <laughs> is the Hulk. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like a little clunky, but also perfectly works. It's like Banner isn't exactly Heyman, but also he's not not Heyman. Exactly, so. exactly. And then how about the Man of Iron? Uh, Iron Man, I... Now you can push back on this one. Okay. I'm going to go with Chris Jericho. Mm. 
He's he's the innovator. He comes yep. up with the. He's constantly, you know, in much the same way that Tony is constantly making more armors. Jericho is constantly tweaking yep. his gimmick. They share like a sleaziness in a way. Absolutely. Like, I see what you're he's saying. He's also the inventor. He created Money in the Bank. He's yes. got all these different ideas that he's spouted, and also, you know. Tony is known for his very expensive iron suits. Yes, Jericho, true. known for his very expensive metal light-up jackets. My mind went to The Miz, but you're sort of selling me on... Uh, the Miz is also a guy who could be ride that line between is he good or is he bad. That's what I mean. And, like, a babyface Miz, to, to be clear. But, like, always has, like, an ace up his sleeve and, and all this sort of very stuff. Very much an entertainer as well. Do we miss anyone? Uh, Hawkeye. We well, that's fitting. We need a Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, Hawkeye is uh, some 205 Live jobber who I don't know the well, name I'm gonna of. I'm going to go with Mustafa Ali. Okay, high flyer. Got to be a high flyer for sure. And I'm going to close with one last note on 205 Live here. Go ahead. As much as I enjoyed all of those matches that I described earlier, yep. I was also thinking, man, if Chad Gable can work both shows, why can't all these guys work both shows? Why don't you... Push 205 Live by further integrating it as the third hour of SmackDown. And let me see Daniel Bryan work Jack Gallagher. Let me see Daniel Bryan work Akira Tozawa. Let me see Daniel Bryan work every single guy on 205 Live. They're all going to be great matches. Jamma, what I'm hearing is you want the wild card rule to hit 205 Live. Well, I want it to be the third hour of SmackDown, which it basically That's, is anyway. Yeah, may as well hook that audience in to stick around and watch it because let me tell you, man, the way that that crowd was reacting to the two big matches that opened and closed that show probably hotter than the reactions that anything was getting on Raw this week. That is incredible. And JMO, that will do it. I used your old sign off for the show. Oh my it's goodness, good, it's man. ironed in my brain. It's I got to think of, here I'll try a different one. And that will do it for this episode of Top Marks. That's what I used to say. Yeah, that's uh, well, and this time I said Top Marks, not real you know. Good. Oh wait, I could say real good show yeah, on here. Of yeah, you yeah, can. the great real good show, of course. Uh that'll do it though. Uh JMO, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, my friend. And uh, if you're hearing this, happy birthday to you, specifically Doug Crap, who, you know, actually your birthday today, but when you hear it, not your birthday anymore. And happy victory day. Uh, happy victory day to the Toronto Raptors, who are yes. about to win the NBA Finals. Raps in, raps in four. But raps in six, in actuality. But raps in four. Also raps in four. It's both. Yeah. Raps in four, in and then. In spirit, it's raps in four. In actuality, it's raps in six. Raps in four at game six. Yes. Maybe that's the way to say it. Yes. And until next week. Pepperoni sticks. Say yeah. Jim, we have a contentious movie thing to talk about. Yeah, here. we both saw the the new X Men movie. We did, and we we came down on opposite sides of the fence. Jamo thinking it's the next. There will be blood. He I said, "This is Oscar I bait." He did. said, "I was so blown away." I, he said, "I went in expecting a good superhero movie, but this changed my life." I it's didn't say <laughs> any of those things. <laughs> I what I did say was, if you want to take it to the woodshed and 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 browbeat it for being a flawed movie. Fully agree on a number of things. It looks and feels <laughs> extremely cheap. Dude, it looks... Could you believe how bad it looks? The costumes in this movie are insanely bad. And the sets. Uh, the sets. Just the overall visual design and cinematography... Editing. Uh, are, ...are all not good. But I thought, other than uh, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, who clearly did not want to be yeah. in the movie, yeah. and her makeup is the laziest by far because well, she just didn't want to sit in the damn chair. Which, if I'm Jennifer Lawrence and it's like, you got to come back for this. It's <laughs> Another like, one again? Yeah, it's like, all right, at this point. You get me out of that chair in 45. But <laughs> other than her, 
I thought the performances were all very good. Yeah, I thought Cyclops was good in it. I thought Nicholas Holt as Beast was extremely yeah. good. His, and I, you know I love Beast. He had a scene with uh, Xavier that I thought was utterly fantastic. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, McAvoy, Fassbender, those two guys, reliably very good. And, and but, you, <laughs> what you said about Cyclops, I will echo that and say I thought that Ty Sheridan – and Sophie Turner brought more to those two characters in this movie yes. than Famke Jansen and uh, sure. James Marsden did in any of the early trilogy stuff that they got to do. Um, I just felt like even though I do agree there were some performances, nothing had time to breathe. This movie is like – it cuts so often. It cuts to like reaction shots for a second where like – it's like – you can read it on the script it's like Cyclops looks downtrodden, and just like cuts to him looking down, and then I, well, I don't that's know. Maybe when you have a, a screenwriter who's directing their own script, maybe that's part yeah. of the problem. Yeah, I, Look, it, they they really c- clearly 20th Century Fox could not give less of a fuck <laughs> about this movie by handing it over to a first time director. Yeah, and in that case, like yes, this is a disservice to everything that this franchise has done. Having said that. Apocalypse was so phenomenally shitty. Oh yeah, that it, my expectations, combined with you telling me that this movie was spectacularly shitty as well. I want to be clear: this is not Apocalypse bad. I thought Apocalypse was was worse than the actual forecoming Apocalypse. I will like, say that if you just remove Apocalypse from the timeline and just act like that movie never happened, that this is not a good but a decent closer to this first class trilogy. But it'd be the worst of the three by yeah, far. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go watch Raps. But those two uh, movies that preceded it are some of the best in the franchise. Raps at four. I'm, I'm just saying it's like a two and a half out of five. I, I, en- one. I enjoyed it much more than like Aquaman or many other movies that I've seen this year. Anyway, Raps and four. Goodbye. <laughs> Titus Worldwide!